Hi, and welcome to Make Space for Nature from Nature Scott, the podcast that celebrates Scotland's nature, landscapes, and species. I'm Kirsten Guthrie, and in each episode, we'll help you learn more about our amazing natural world. In this episode, Tim Hancock and I chat to Rob Drummond, a Farming with Nature project officer at Nature Scott, who's also a farmer himself, and Robert Dale, a farmer at Lockhouse's Farm in East Lothian, about the importance of increasing biodiversity, nature habitats, and species on farms and crofts. Rob takes us through seven straightforward ways to increase nature on the land, and Robert tells us about the benefits he's seen firsthand on his farm from farming with nature for 30 years. So hi Rob, thanks for joining us today on the Make Space for Nature podcast. Could you tell us why it's important for farmers to increase biodiversity, and what exactly does that mean? Hi Kirsten, Uh, firstly thank you for inviting me on. Uh, Reflecting on biodiversity and management decisions on farm is important for all habitats and species as loss of nature affects everyone. It helps contribute to a stable climate, crop pollination, preventing flooding, soil erosion and maintains and protects clean waterways. It's important that 70% of Scotland's land is managed for agriculture and will be affected by climate extremes. Managing farms alongside nature can help mitigate that climate change and tackle biodiversity loss and brings benefits to the soil, water and produce being grown on farm. Great. And, you know, the the fact is that, that you know, there's news everywhere about the, the significant loss of nature, um, you know, particularly in Scotland. Can, can we see that in the landscape or, or even, you know, the sounds of nature that we perhaps don't hear um, anymore? Yeah, biodiversity has declined significantly over the last 70 years and in 2019 the State of Nature Scotland report recorded a 24% reduction in biodiversity abundance in Scotland between 2019, sorry, 1994 and 2019. But it's important to remember that thousands of farmers are working to increase nature on their farms and are already integrating biodiversity on farm and benefiting nature as well as their businesses. It means I meet them regularly. Brilliant. And, and just on that, um, I mentioned in the introduction that you are, are a farmer as well as working for Nature Scott. Can you just, t- actually, can you tell us what, what, what you farm yourself? Yeah, I um, run a, a small organic dairy herd. I have about 60 Ayrshire cows and a spring calving grass-based system. Um, so and all cows are in calf to beef sire this year. Um, so we start calving in, at the end of February for 12 weeks. So um, I'm about to get very busy on that farm front. Brilliant. Um, so you certainly know your stuff. Uh, you know you are actually, as I say, a farmer. So uh, can you tell us what you're what you're doing in your Nature Scott role um, as well, and that can help biodiversity loss on on farming. Yes, our team in Farming with Nature are developing a biodiversity audit tool through an app for farmers to use to see what is on their land. The that knowledge can help them manage for nature in the future. Robert Dale at Lockhouse's farm who you are going to be talking to later, is one of the group of farmers who are helping us test mapping and habitat monitoring using the Farm BioScot app. The farmers I meet are often already increasing nature and seeing the benefits, but we want everyone to be able to carry out as easily as possible for their farm. The aim is to tie in with future changes to agricultural support that are coming over the next few years. That's great. Thanks so much, Rob. Um, can you tell, talk us through the, the seven ways that farmers can increase biodiversity on their land? Um, and are those ways going to be costly at all? Well, 
really simple ways don't have to cost much. But funding is available through Agri Environment Scheme, the Agri Environment Climate Scheme for Scot- from the Scottish Government, and there's also Forestry Grant Scheme as well for where woodland or hedges might be involved. Um, firstly, keeping areas of species-rich grassland and uncut field margins and corners. They support a wide range of food sources for essential pollinators and provide forage for livestock. These areas do need cut and grazed to avoid the build-up of thatch material choking out the following year's growth. So they are still potentially contributing to the farm enterprises. These aren't areas of unproductive, but just contribute in a different way. They will provide space for native plants and can act as habitat for natural pest controls and store carbon as well. Flooding is an important issue for farmers as well. So our second way is to retain existing wetland habitats and where possible re-wet or create wetlands in areas of low productivity. This can help reduce localised flooding even on the same holding if they are upstream from areas prone. Adding buffer strips to wetlands to protect water from pollutants and provide habitat for waders, amphibians, water-loving insects and diverse plant species adds to the value of these areas. Number three is looking after our hedges and, if possible, plant new ones. Hedgerows provide vital wildlife habitats and corridors across farmland. They help prevent, protect soil and soak up carbon. Filling in gaps in hedges, not cutting annually and avoiding cutting to the same point year after year helps hedge condition. If you can, plant new hedges with native species. Fast-growing species like dog roads is great to fill gaps and add species variety which can give life-saving shelter to stock during poor weather and food sources for birds, insects and mammals throughout the year. Uh, Yes, I was just thinking about the birds as we'll be heading to spring before we know it, um, and particularly nesting birds. Are there any more hedge species that you'd suggest? Uh, Yes, species with abundant flowering like crabapple, hawthorn and blackthorn are good options, as once established they'll provide habitat for insects, and these in turn support the bird life through the food chain. Um, so our, our fourth way is to introduce legumes and herbal lays into grassland. Use legumes such as clover, veaches or trefoil and introduce herbs to your grassland rotations. Nitrogen fixing legumes help build soil fertility, reduce the need of artificial fertilisers, lowering input costs and improving farm resilience. Legumes help provide essential habitats for pollinators and support local biodiversity. Varying the root depth and sward using a wide variety of species in a mix will help soil biodiversity, health and structure as well. Uh, Fifth way is to manage existing woodlands and, if possible, plant new ones using native trees. Woodlands store carbon, help protect soils from wind and water erosion and reduce the risk of floods and support biodiversity. Planting shelter belts also protect against extreme weather conditions, reduce lamb losses by up to 30%. Consider agroforestry and incorporating livestock or crops with trees, but what's maybe easier to begin with is planting low productive areas and any steeper slopes. If a business is considering this, they should look into Forestry Grant Scheme for funding funding support. Can I just ask a question on, on that yep. one, actually? Yep. Um, so you talk about native trees. Is there any particular species, again, you'd recommend for, for, for farmers to plant? It's... Um, <sighs> Fairly specific to, or maybe location specific as well. But again, um, looking around what's already around about, like uh, elder or elm, um, uh, well, ash is less appropriate, obviously, with the issues with dieback. But um, 
look at the na- native woodland that's round about your the local area and go with those species is probably probably the best advice I could give. Excellent, that's good advice. Uh, the sixth uh, point would be to aim to improve your soil organic matter by adding organic material from animals or plants. Soil organic matter supports biodiversity above and below ground. Earthworms are the obvious indicators of good soil quality. Um, less obvious is microbial life that is vital to soil chemistry. Improving organic matter will help improve soil texture, water infiltration and retention, and carbon storage, potentially supporting greater farm profitability. And when you talk about soil organic matter, um, what, what what is that? What does that mean? It's basically the level of carbon in the soil. The more organic matter that's in the soil, the more carbon it has. Um, to get to the carbon, the organic matter has to be broken down, and that's where your soil life, your microbial activity and worm activity helps break down that organic matter and build up the carbon in the soil. Okay, brilliant. Um, so going on, our last tip is to protect watercourses by excluding livestock and creating riparian buffer strips for, gra- for grass margins or even trees alongside rivers and beside ponds. They reduce agricultural runoff of sediments, nutrients and pesticides and will increase water quality. Brilliant, that's a great list. So it's really important just to highlight that that is just seven of the ways that um, farmers can increase nature or biodiversity on, on their land. And I'm sure hopefully these are, you know, achievable as you say for for many farmers so rob are you optimistic about biodiversity being increased on farmland in the future yes greatly so um i would there's a massive amount of work already happening by committed farmers and crofters and even a few small changes on any holding can make a big difference to the biodiversity on that farm um so and that adds up across the landscape scale so i think um, there's real reason to be positive about it Brilliant. That's great. Really good to hear. Lovely to chat to you today and I wish you all the best for your your, your farming uh, work as well. Um, so thanks again. Yeah, thank you, Carson. Thanks for having me. Cheers. So we're now going to meet farmer Robert Dale, who's been putting some of these measures into practice, working for over 30 years to increase biodiversity on Lockhouse's farm by Dunbar in East Lothian, which has been in his family since 1892. So hi, Robert. Nice to meet you. Um, And just while your farm's been in the family an awful long time, can you tell us a bit more about the farm and what what you manage there, please? Yeah, we're in a coastal area. Uh, between North Berwick Dunbar, about 480 hectares, with about 300 hectares of arable land and 100 hectares of woods. So the arable crops are mainly wheat, which is mainly used for animal feeding, and spring barley, which nearly all goes for whiskey production. Um, The arable land is also let out for uh, turf production, vegetables and potatoes. Um, we also have a, a holiday and wedding venue with beach cabins and tree houses near the beach and the sand dunes, which are a site of special scientific interest for their wild flowers. Wow, that is a, that's a really interesting and, and different business as well. And so what made you, you start thinking about biodiversity and, and climate change? Um, obviously, you've, you've mentioned that the triple SI uh, on the site as well. Um, so obviously that's a, a protected area. So what were, the, what were the first measures that you took? Well, firstly, in the early 1990s, I created a, a large pond, um, mainly as a backup source of water for irrigation. And uh, the clay we dug out was spread on the very sandy land n- near the beach, which 
stopped the sandy land blowing in the wind and improved its water holding capacity for crops. Um, I planted trees and shrubs around the pond um, and was impressed by the wildlife that was attracted. Everything from swans, geese and ducks to toads and frogs. And the next year we we made a second smaller pond and with a similar sort of benefits to wildlife. That's really interesting and, and, and great to see that, that in practice. Um, could, you, could you tell us more about what you've noticed sort of over a period of time with any other measures you've, you've put in place or, or how you've seen the, the increase in biodiversity and, and different ways that wildlife or nature have been impacted by those changes you've made? Yeah, we've improved a lot of hedges in the farms by coppicing the existing hedge and filling in the gaps with new hedge plants. Um, we also improved the diversity of the hedges, which were mainly blackthorn, you know, by adding uh, blackthorn, holly, dogrose and hazel. They're now much better habitats for the songbirds, insects and small mammals and acts as sort of links between habitats. Um, grass margins are left around arable fields, providing us with ideal habitats for insects, small mammals such as voles and hares. They also provide prey for barn owls, um, nest sites for partridges and corridors for the deer. Waterside margins have similar benefits to the grass margins and in addition help to prevent soil runoff, polluting the pepper burn. Um, Wild bird seed mixes are sown in about eight different patches around the farm, which are very popular with lots of songbirds. Um, We've also established a, a wetland area where the land is very near sea level, so very difficult to drain for arable crops, uh, with a sluice gate system and a series of small ponds. So we've seen a, a rise in the number of curlews, oyster catchers, shell duck, mallard, widgeon, and the common waders. Wow, that's really fantastic and so interesting and, and quite an unbelievable array of, of uh, wildlife that you're you able to help with with by taking these measures presumably a lot of this you know it, it, it doesn't happen overnight uh, could you give us an idea of, of how long it takes and you know as, for, as far as some kind of a timeline to start seeing these sort of results and, and what you've noticed uh, yeah the, the hedges um, take about five years to bulk up and provide um, good cover and feeding for birds uh, grass margins give, give a pretty quick benefit for wildlife especially insects voles and hares um, and the water margins protect the pepper burn from pollutants such as soil, pig dung used as a fertilizer, you know, and pesticides. The wild bird seed is quickly found by birds, especially to bridge the sort of hungry gap during sort of January, February, when otherwise they, they might die of starvation. Um, we're also using green manure, which is being established after overwintered stubbles in one field to help soil structure and to try and fix nitrogen fertiliser to benefit the, the following wheat crops. And, and how are these adaptations is funded? Are they, do they cost a lot of money or, you know, how, how can they be funded? Um, yeah, at present, I've, I'm in a, a, a Scottish government um, EECS scheme, which is a, to promote sort of environmental management. Um, previously, I was in a rural stewardship scheme and a countryside premium scheme. So they go right back to the, the 1990s. Um, sometimes there have been gaps between the schemes, but, but I've, I've usually tried to leave most of the habitats in, in place. 
Great, that's that's really useful, and we'll put more information about that on our on our website. We did we did talk about that um, with with Rob as well, actually. And you know, do some of the the measures do they do they mean lower profits? Um, you know, how does that work out over the longer term? Um, often the areas which are best for biodiversity are not the most productive areas for arable farming. For example, the the grass margins and waterside margins at the sides of fields, which are usually are at the sides of fields, which are usually the least productive. Um, ponds, which I've created, are in low lying, so poorly drained parts of the farm. Um, the wild bird seed areas are often in so slightly more difficult corners of fields, which are, are not ideal for arable cultivation. And the sort of species rich grassland and wader grazed grassland areas down near the sea are on sort of poor, unproductive land for farm animals, but um, very good areas for wildlife. Yeah, so it's often used in um, areas that you perhaps wouldn't use for uh, more traditional, I suppose, farming practices then that you could actually use to increase biodiversity on, on the farm. Exactly. I think uh, that that's, that's what we've tried to do over the years, because obviously I am mainly an, an arable farmer, and apart from perhaps a green manure over the whole field in front of a crop of wheat. We've we've not taken whole fields out. It's usually been the the areas which are best for wildlife, which are around the outside of fields and in, in awkward corners, which is most beneficial to wildlife. And can you describe some of the sights and sounds that you see and hear on the farm today to indicate a healthy biodiversity? And is there anything in particular that gives you special satisfaction? Yes, um, probably the number of birds we see around the farm. I mean, at the moment, there are flocks of bramblings and chaffinches flying in sort of murmurations around the wild bird seed areas. There's hares running across the turf fields, walk down to the pond and mallard ducks taking off, flying back to the sea. Grey-like geese on the overwintered stubbles, skylarks twittering above the sand dunes. Just a, a a lot of wildlife. That's so nice to hear. I'm sure a lot of uh, bird watchers would be delighted to come past and do a sneak peek and see what they can see. It's, uh, is it, I don't know if you've got a, a particularly favorite or, or something that's that surprised you or a new um, plan that you're, you're getting ready to implement this year in the hope of, of increasing all the good work that you've already done? Well, in, in September and early October, we, we created another um, six ponds on the farm which are, they're not big ponds, but they're, they're, they're mostly near, near the Peffer Burn on areas which are very heavy and not, not, not so good for farming, but um, they're, they're very good for sort of connecting wildlife. And uh, they've certainly had plenty of water this winter to fill them up. So they're, they're looking good. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on today, Robert. And, and we look forward to, to hearing more about the results and, and the fantastic wildlife that you, you've got coming onto your farm as a, as a result of all the, these biodiversity measures you put in place. Thank you both. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying Make Space for Nature, please follow it on your podcast app and leave a reviewer rating. We'd also love you to tell more people about the series. For more ways to connect with and help protect Scotland's natural world, go to nature.scot.